the stars are right, and that means it's time for another episode of The Whisper in Darkness. I'm your host, The Man from Lang. Thank you very much for joining me today. Happy New Year, everyone. On this episode, we are continuing our, with our reviews of the player cards in the Scarlet Keys Investigator expansion. This is part two of our look at the rogue cards in the box. In this episode, we are going to discuss Hidden Pocket, Hit and Run, I'll Take That, and Kicking the Hornet's Nest. There are spoilers throughout if you care about that sort of thing. If you enjoy what you hear, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Before we get started, a quick reminder of how we rate cards here on The Whisper in Darkness. The best of the best get an Elder Sign, while the worst of the worst get an Auto Fail, and the cards in between get a plus one, zero, or Elder Thing, respectively. Cards that you build around or cards that are good in one particular deck get a Bless Token, while cards that we believe are destined to end up on the list of taboos or are simply bad for the big game get a Curse Token. Before I get started, I'd like to thank the patrons of this channel for their tremendous support. You all rock. If you'd like to be amazing like these people and support the channel's goals and see your name on this list, head over to patreon.com, sign up for a tier of your choice, and claim your rewards. That would be awesome. Special thanks to Cole Monroe Chitty, Nicole Fiscus, and Nate Lost in Time and Space for their contributions to the channel. I couldn't do it without you. Without further ado, let's get started. Welcome back everyone to our reviews of the player cards in the Scarlet Keys Investigator expansion. This is part two of our look at uh, the rogue cards in the box. We are going to start off with Hidden Pocket. It is a one Oh, but before we do, before we do, I got news. I got a mysterious te text message. I think it was from Nate. Oh, what did it yeah, say? Yeah, it was all garbled, but it might have been from Nate. You had the radio. I think he's, I think if it's him, I think he's going multimedia here. He's he's spamming all the channels. As soon as he's going to hit the socials, he's going to do a YouTube video. He's going to do Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I mean, we got we to gotta be out, out there on the lookout for mysterious content. It's going to be hard because there's a lot of mysterious content out there. But maybe Nate is trying. You know, it occurred to me maybe there. he's on a student exchange to you, Goth. He was studying some high-level mathematics at school. Uh -huh. and maybe as part of that, they arranged some sort of student exchange to Yugoth, and that is oh. that's where he's. But wouldn't that imply that a, a denizen of Yugoth is here in on Earth? Well, and that's that's something. There's going to be Mrs. Some cultural... Nate has to worry about. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be some cultural. I think what we need to see yeah. is Nate's cats to see how they are they were interacting with. Oh him. yeah, because like, the if cat they would were totally... freaking out. Then yeah, I would definitely yeah. be worried that there's something with like there are some some Migo. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah, the place. cat the cat would know. The cat always knows. So I guess the appeal that we're gonna have to like put out there is if you or anyone you know has information about the personality and actions of Nate's cat, please contact us. At the number below. Um, what did we get the number fixed? Do we have a telephone anymore? I don't. I don't think we do. Okay. Uh, please contact us. However, you know, just please reach out to us with. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna bring Nate home. We're, we need to bring Nate home. Yeah. You were you were saying um, hidden pocket. Hidden pocket. Oh yeah. It's a one cost right. event with intellect and agility skill icons upgrade and illicit trait. Fast, play only during your turn. Attached to a clothing or armor asset you control. Attached asset gains you have one additional hand or accessory slot, your choice, which can only be used to hold an illicit asset. 
So this one, uh, this one amuses me because you can attach it to your hiking boots or <laughs> your track yeah, knife, shoes. Knife in the, you got a knife in there. Yeah. So you, track can, shoes. you have a hidden pocket in your shoes, which I think is, uh, is pretty or neat. You can put a whole, you can put your wallet in there for when you go to the beach. So at level zero, there aren't a ton of clothing options. I'm not oh, even sure there's yeah, a ton of you're looking armor at, like, options, to be honest. Yeah, you're, you're basically looking at fine clothes. I'm not even sure heavy furs are a clothing option, to be honest. Maybe I, I missed them on the list. But uh, yeah, you're sort of looking at upgrades or ex spending XP. And if you're holding illicit assets, most of the time that's going to be a gun or a knife. Or yeah. a switchblade, or knuckle dusters, or whatever weapon you happen to have. What do you uh, think about this one? So this is an interesting one. There are a few rogue cards in this um, in this cycle that are like this, which are really like they really ask you to say, "I want to do this very specific thing that I couldn't do before because I didn't have enough like ability." So you're burning a card slot. You're burning a resource. It's fast. That's nice. Okay. So you had to already have the clothing or armor down. You put this down. And then you could only put an illicit asset in it. It's pretty niche. So you're looking at a case where, like, if you're talking about the most common illicit asset, a gun. So what do you need three hand slots for? Well, there's the Chicago typewriter. There's the that big assault rifle that was in Secret Oh, Man. the Beretta? Okay. Well, there's the Beretta, and then there's the other one, the uh, the dual guardian rogue card. Oh, the Thompson, yeah. The Thompson. Okay. And then various other little okay. guns along the way. So you want to have a two-handed gun, and like lockpicks. Is that where you're going with this? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so we've already that's eight cards of the build already. Or Jenny's gun. Jenny's twin forty fives are not illicit. Oh, I check that immediately. Right. Yeah. Oh, I knew she, that. I knew her that guns and then are forgot about it. Her guns are fully above board. I checked it immediately. You know, this is just the one track mind that I'm on because I thought, huh, wouldn't it be cool if I could have Jenny's twin 45s in a black fan? No, it turns out that's not the case. No, <laughs> you, can, you can't do right. that, you know, without some house ruling or without there was something there was some other way to, i know there was some way to do it but again it's one of those things where it's like you got to have like a pretty specific setup that you're going for okay so given that you have a specific setup you're going for such as chicago typewriter and lockpicks or something like that okay what's really stopping you then is card draw so now you're looking at you're looking at say lucky cigarette cases to do the card draw or underworld you know, market or underworld market that's right because this is illicit okay so once again we've got another underworld market card is what is what we're going for here so i guess i guess this is a long-winded way of saying is this doesn't slam into every deck once again it's like you're trying you gotta you gotta pick a thing that you're trying to accomplish where you need a hidden pocket and then you gotta have the clothing to sew the pocket into and then you gotta get the clothing before you get the pocket and then that at that slot needs to matter you know so you're talking about two or three hand items down or two uh, accessories. That's the one I'm actually really interested in is what you can do with two accessory slots. But what I'm getting at is you're looking at a pretty specific loadout, you know, in order to make this card like worth trying. Yeah, don't Here's don't uh, don't forget accessory. that it does it is either accessory or illicit asset. 
uh, or yeah. sorry, you get an accessory or hand slot for yeah. an illicit asset. I think, uh, like you said, accessory is is easy to forget. I look at hand slot, and I immediately think of gun, but accessory mm-hmm. slot is uh, is an option as well. Yeah, I look at this card and and it's one of those where it's like, how much work am I going to have to do to exactly. to turn this on? Exactly. So you need to draw your clothing first. Then you need to get this. Good thing it's fast. If this wasn't fast, man, yes. oh man. If it wasn't fast, then it'd be like, just play Bandolier. That would be, <laughs> that that would be pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. So then you need to get this on the clothing, and then you need to get mm-hmm. the illicit asset. Like you still have to attach the yes. illicit asset to it. So you need to draw... If you're playing that specific loadout, you need, say, your Thompson or Chicago typewriter. I hope the Chicago typewriter is illicit. Uh, correct oh, me. I've, in, I've been I've been pulling it up right now. In the comments. Yes, I've got a list of illicit things right here. Chicago typewriter is totally illicit. Right. That is not above board. Okay. okay. So then you need that item, and you haven't had mm-hmm. to play that item before you've got all this set up, so you still... Yes. You haven't played your Chicago typewriter or your Thompson or whatever other illicit asset. That has to be the third thing you play. And I start to cringe at that point because yes. there's a lot of dominoes that have to fall into place. Yes. Before and I'll this do you works. even one better. Guess how many illicit accessories there are? I think there's Tennessee Sour Mash. Not an accessory. Non accessory. Liquid Courage. That's also slotless. No, I don't know. The correct answer is zero. There are zero <laughs> illicit accessories. <laughs> oh, dear. Well. Yep. So that part doesn't even mean anything. So unless you've got a way to make an accessory um, illicit, which is another step in this combo, you're looking at hand slot items only. And then, of course, the the problem is with the clothing. Say you have fine clothes or I believe there's stylish stylish coat oh yeah we got um or trench right, coat the, trench coat yeah, another like, one that rogues there's often um, play. leather jacket from uh, the winifred deck it's actually pretty good but then you know you tend to use that clothing to soak right so yeah. you're basically saying i am not going to use the clothing to soak in this case yes. or i'm going to use it like hopefully it has enough health and sanity that you can soak one and one because otherwise, not only are you losing the coat, but you're losing the hidden pocket and whatever you stacked on it. Right. So not only is there sort of a lot of steps that have to happen in a very uh, specific order, but if you lose the clothing, you're losing all of that work, which is yeah. painful. Yeah, this is, this is getting into a pretty specific loadout. Like I, I gotta say, and it's not something to be done lately. So how would you rate this one? Oh man, the thing is, like, it's such a specific niche. Like, you have to be going for a very specific asset loadout to make this work. I think there's like a case for it though, because I know I've over the course of my gaming career, I've had quite a few instances where I wanted to have three hand slots, and like, if all the pieces come into place, this is a pretty efficient way of getting there. I wish you didn't have to attach it to clothing. I wish you just played the pocket and you got the hand slot. It sounds like what this is for is so you can have like two weapons 
Or two hands of weapons and a lockpicks. That seems to be what's going on. Or yeah, or like a two-handed weapon and lockpicks. It really seems to come down to lockpicks, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about that one during our review of Black Fan during the the Edge of the yeah. Earth. Was, oh yeah, that's right. The fact that Black Fan takes up a hand slot. It's yeah. all the you know rogues have a lot of stuff they want to stick in their hands, but they're sort of left with lockpicks or in this case you know now we have thieves tools is another one that yeah. will take up a hand slot so yeah, i think i'm gonna go bless on this one yeah i think i will because too, it it seems like there's yeah. a there's it's a build specific. there that you've got to go for and yeah. you're probably having to pick up underworld market in order to get yeah, the card it'll draw definitely... in order to yeah to fuel it yeah, it's definitely. I, I'm starting to see something come together here. You have your gun and you have your lockpicks, and this helps you like put all three of them down because hidden pocket, much like in bezel treasure, is a dead draw. If you don't need it, need it. You can kind of hide it in the underworld market until you do need it. So because you're not going to need this in the early game, because you don't need to slam down all three hand slide items in the early game. So you're going to need it in the mid or late game, which is when underworld market it starts getting thinner. Yeah. You know, and then um, you're more you're pretty likely to be able to pull this. So, yeah, this is a bless because this is like a pretty specific build that you're running here. Either that, or it's a build that like it's a choice that takes up ten cards, or even more. If that makes sense, like you yeah. choose to do this, yeah, and it's a whole package. If Underworld Market didn't exist. I think I would have... Be, this would be much tougher. I think it would be a then, much but, tougher deck to build because yeah, but, you would have to draw this the old-fashioned way or have some sort of draw ability. And rogues, yeah. I don't think they have that. Yeah. Well, well, they're getting there. They're, um, Black Market's getting there. I, there's a um, customizable card that we'll talk about another time that's helping them get there. They're on their way. Plus, if, you have, if you're playing like Trish and Monterey and you can play like Mr. Rick or something, right. you know, that really helps. Yeah. But I, I think they're getting there, like towards being able to like blow through their deck and find what they need faster. Underworld support helps, you know, by like if you have, if you have cards that dig, you can go, for, you can kind of get there. Let's see. Um, backpack level two is helpful, you know, for like finding the things. I guess what I'm saying is like the being able to search out the cards you really want is is slow. They're slowly getting there. So yeah, this is totally a blast because of the package you need in order to like justify running it. Yeah. Know? So uh, if you are uh, enticed by the uh, idea of uh, having an extra hand slot to play an illicit asset that requires a hand slot because they're aren't any uh, illicit assets that require the accessory slot yeah uh, you're probably going to need to look at the big picture and see how much yes. deck space this is going to take because uh, yeah you do need things to come out in a certain order and you are going to need uh, quite a bit to support it you may even need a little extra soak because if you were planning on right. using your clothing to uh, to soak some damage and horror, that uh, will not be an option you are going to uh, to take, especially if you've stacked a couple of uh, of cards on that. So a blessed token for hidden pocket. The next card we're going to look at is hit and run. It is a one cost event with a combat and agility skill icon, tactic and trick trait, fast play only during your turn. 
Put an ally asset from your hand into play at the end of your turn. If that asset is still in play, return it to your hand. So we received Sleight of Hand. Was it way back in the Path to Carcosa, I believe? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Path to Carcosa. And uh, it was so good that uh, did it get two taboos or one? It oh, got yeah, that's tabooed right. once <laughs> that's right. because people were putting two-handed guns into play with it. So mm -hmm. I think it got ruled that you couldn't put two-handed guns in with it and then they ruled that it had to cost three or less was it because people were yeah, using it to book. put the necronomicon into play with it so <laughs> sleight of hand was so good they had to taboo it twice i don't know what kind of tricks you can pull with this but it seems exactly. pretty damn good <laughs> the reason why um sleight of hand was like super super crazy is it bypassed the cost of the of the asset so the classic case was lightning gun cost six it puts it into play as a fast action so you're in a situation where you need that action back and you just want to drop it into play so you're saving the resources saving the action to put it down and you're also kind of virtually getting free bullets out of it that was the key thing about the lightning gun strategy is that you're you're kind of you're you're cheating yourself some more bullets by getting an additional play of the lightning gun or the necronomicon so the thing about hit and run there aren't a whole lot of allies that are that are like that where you need them to play you need them in play quickly and they do a thing that consumes itself do, do you see what i'm saying yeah yeah they don't yeah there's not a lot of allies that do a big thing that also like has charges on it I mean, you might have, like, the, I mean, an ally with charges, where we're we looking at, like, Gregory Gry, that's one, but you can only use him once, because you got to exhaust him. And that's the thing. Like, a lot of the allies that have good effects that you would want to, like, cheat into play, you have to exhaust them. So you can't exactly get the full mileage like you could with a lightning gun, is, is what I'm really getting at here. Yeah, I the see, only ally like, I could think yeah. of would be somebody like the Red Gloved Man, who you could drop into play yeah. with this. Use. But he's already fast. Yeah, but <laughs> but know? he goes away. That's true. That's true. That's the thing. But then like, here's he... the other thing, though, and I think they, um, I think this card is unnecessarily nerfed. The ally goes away at the end of your turn, so it doesn't stick around for the enemy phase. So you can't leverage the ally's soak very well, because I was thinking, oh, red glove man. Okay, yeah, you, you drop it into play, and you get a, basically another charge of red glove man. But when's the when, what do you need the red glove man for? You really need it for the soak. That's that's where he really starts to shine. And this doesn't help you do that. So you get something into play. You're basically using it for either a comes into play ability, like um, Jeremiah Kirby, for example, or um, a lot of seeker allies like Art Student. And then it's going to go away. And then you get to do it again as like an action later. Or you're using hit and run for like an exhaust ability. So I'm like think like an, a Chuck Fergus, without having to pay for Chuck Fergus. Chuck Fergus is in the art, so I think I see where they're going with this. Is you get a you get a you get a you get a cheap Chuck, you get a rent a Chuck. Yeah. I don't necessarily know if you don't get to use the soak because you could theoretically take attacks of opportunity to you take attacks of opportunity. Yeah. To yeah. Throw, say, the art student. I throw the art student down. I get a clue. I do something. The art student takes a hit. 
move or reposition myself. Art student comes back to my hand. I play the art student next turn. I get another clue. That's true. That's sort true. of thing. Like you That's... can use it for attacks of opportunity, but it's it's not like you it's not like you get to fully leverage. No. What I'm getting at is you don't get to fully leverage the ally like you do with sleight of hand lightning gun. So, like I said, you're looking at allies that have an exhaust ability that's really good, or a comes into play ability that's really good, and there aren't actually that many of them, because a lot of allies have consistent like stat boost effects or exhaust once a turn effects that are pretty good, but not incredible. Like, would you use this for Lola Santiago? Yeah, I guess when you look at this card, you get to see just how sort of good sleight of hand is was could be i think perhaps because al maybe i mean maybe when they were designing the allies they were just by the the nature of the ally slot being one of the best in the game that they had to be a little mm -hmm. more careful with how the allies were designed so a lot of them do have exhaust effects and stuff like that to to rein them in uh -huh. already whereas items don't necessarily have that built in yeah plus a lot of the items that work well with with sleight of hand are like consumable items like lupara for example you know you put it down and you you get two shots and that's it where allies they're less like that so what i'm saying is the power like the crazy like combo potential you get is not as there with hit and run but i think there's a f some good uses like i think being able to get down a cheap chuck fergus or a cheap jeremiah kirby is pretty good i think there's a lot of options outside of rogue like um, Greta, for example, that I think are pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, this does feature Chuck uh, Fergus in the art. It is a tactic and trick, so you could play this for free in a pinch with him. It's already fast, so that doesn't matter. Yeah, How true. would you uh, rate this one? Okay. So what I don't see yet is the killer play with this. I don't see anything on the level of sleight of hand lightning gun with this yet. I think the closest is probably big Chuck Fergus getting him down for cheap. Cause doesn't he cost, how much does he cost? He costs like five, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like something like that where it's like, okay, in the early game, you're not set up yet, but you want to really land a big cheap shot or big breaking and entering, you know, and, you want Chuck to be able to boost it and make it fast or something like that. Okay, then this kind of shines. But I think it's like the ceiling isn't as isn't as high as uh, um, sleight of hand with big assets. Okay, it's not. I don't. I don't feel like it's a plus one, and I feel like it's hard to make it a zero because there's not a whole lot of decks where like you really need to get the ally down at fast speed. Like I'm thinking like your Lola Santiago, for example, or Leo De Luca. Like, you don't need that. Ugh. How do you rate, like, it's a zero if you're playing a mega ally that actually has, like, an exhaust effect or comes into play effect? I don't know anymore. We need the spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it a plus one. I think it's pretty good. I can see yeah, I think lots, it's cool. of, lots of different situations where having this type of effect in my deck would be very very nice like i'm mm -hmm. thinking end of game where i have my my leo de luca in hand and i need the extra action and i don't have the resources okay. i drop the leo yeah. down 
for one resource, I get the extra action that gets me the move I need to get out of the scenario sort of thing. I like yeah. it. I like it with things like art student that you can use repeatedly to grab clues. I think there's a lot of plays there that you could make with it. I don't mm -hmm. know if it would go in, in every single ally deck that you're going to build, mm -hmm. but I think the, it's just one of those cards that could get you out of a lot of situations. Like even if you're just playing the ally down so you can again, take that attack of opportunity to reposition yourself. Yeah. I think would be, would be really useful. You're not going to be able uh -huh. to keep the ally to the enemy phase, but at least if you're say racing to the end, you know, racing to the door or whatever, you know, it's like, okay, I have, I'm getting myself that much closer to that door than, than I would have been. So okay. yeah, yeah I, I, think, I, I think it's got, its I uses. think I like it um, enough for a plus one. One thing to note though, is um, just kind of like with before with hidden pocket is so a card like this, because you have to have an ally ready to go and it in play it, it in hand, right? Both of them. You kind of want some card draw in your deck in order to ensure that that happens. You know, this is this is not something you want to. This is not something you just want to draw off the top of your deck when you have no allies in hand, right? You know, or your ally slot is full with your permanent ally that you really care about. So you're looking at some card draw. Well, I think you raise a good point about having an ally slot for that ally too. Yeah, you gotta have an ally slot. It's not like you can just drop it into play play an ally without a slot yeah well that might be yeah. enough to bump it down a little bit for me because that well then again slide of hand had the same problem it kicks out all your other hand slots well that's yeah. true yeah yeah but you've got two hand slots you've only got oh one. right you've got two of them that's true you've only got one ally slot so maybe that yeah this one is this one's a it may not be a. Yeah. I'm going to stick with plus one, but I don't know if it's a clear plus one. I could definitely see uh -huh. it dropping down to say a zero, in those circumstances where you have an ally down and you draw your second ally and you've got this, but then you're kind of stuck because you can't. Exactly. There are cases with there. There are like very real cases where this could do nothing for you. You just sit in your hand, and it doesn't have um, matching icons. To like yeah. really back it up. If I was it had just two about to agility, say that if this had matching icons, to <laughs> yeah, if it had like two agility, it, it be would work out useful. Really well. Yeah, I yeah. would go for that. So I think this is one very specific. This is the one where we need to hear in the comment section down there about the cool trick plays that you've done with hit and run. I will also say like an effect like this that lets you cheat something into play fast. Please, people out there. Don't make an infinite combo with this. Like, like stuff like this is like the stuff of infinite combos. You know, <laughs> we're like, just, just please don't, don't loop this over and over in order to like play the same ally and exhaust it over and over. Like, oh my god, don't use this to recur Jeremiah Kirby a million times. You know. <laughs> So I went plus one. <laughs> what did you? Uh... I'll, I'll I'll go with the zero. I'll zero. go with the zero. All right. Given that you, please just, just just restrain yourselves, people. Don't make an infinite combo. <laughs> Don't get this tabooed like uh, what happened to sleight of hand multiple times. <laughs> That's right. 
Well, time time will tell whether this uh, this nets uh, multiple taboos. Doesn't yeah. seem like it right now, but uh, there are some very clever deck ally. builders out there who uh, yeah. I'm sure. I I have a feeling that a Jeremiah Kirby could do it. Like someone could figure out a way to like just putting Jeremiah Kirby into play over and over and over, you know, to draw like five cards and power their infinite combo. Well, hit and run is odd. So if you're planning to build a, <laughs> a, a Jeremiah Kirby deck with this, hit and run is it's... odd. So I'll, I'll push I'll push them in that direction. As you as you say, Got whoa, you. slow your roll. Don't build a, an infinite combo deck. I'll just mention that it's, it's odd. <laughs> the next uh, rogue card is I'll Take That. It is a free event with intellect and agility skill icons trick upgrade and illicit trait fast play when you successfully evade a humanoid enemy or successfully investigate play an item asset from your hand reducing its cost by x where x is the amount you succeed by attach i'll take that to that asset the attached asset gains illicit look what just happened that's how we're going to get the illicit accessory you gotta steal it right we there just solved the problem. Yep, we just did it. So not a huge fan of the humanoid restriction. Yeah, I mean... Uh, All of these, so anytime they start restricting yeah. it by trade, it gets more awkward. But it is on a successful investigate. You combine this with lockpicks, potentially succeeding yes. by as much as you possibly can imagine, and mm -hmm. uh, getting free items. Seems. Fast. It's also nice. The fact that it's fast, fast. is pretty cool. Yeah. You are com you yeah. are getting some action compression here because you're yeah you're investigating you're say with lockpicks for mm -hmm. and getting a free item for fast. Yeah. So the trick with this one is I think this again goes in that big package that we were talking about earlier. So the thing about this one is it doesn't actually on its own let you do anything you couldn't do before. Because Hidden Pocket gave you an additional slot. This doesn't do that. All it does is save you the action to play it and some and some cash. So the challenge for you, the player, is to make this um, pay out more than like a simple emergency cash would. You know, because you can kind of measure it its effects like compared to say something like emergency cash. So how do you make this? How do you beat emergency cash with this? Well. You're going to succeed, probably with succeeding by X. So you're looking at an expensive item like a Chicago typewriter or an expensive non-illicit asset that you can stick in your hidden pocket. Yeah, this is, so this is part of that big, that, that big combo is, is what I'm getting at, which means you need card draw. I do like how this is how you can fill an, an accessory in your hidden pocket. So that's kind of cool, which makes sense. Like you steal an accessory from somebody, yoink. I do actually, this does have the trick trait, which means you can play it in Rita. So Rita. Yeah, and she has really high agility. Rita can successfully evade by X, I believe. Yeah, pretty easily. Get a humanoid, get her track shoes for free, possibly. Yeah, that's true. That's and also nice. because. Um, so Rita kind of, her ability really leans itself to action compression. So, like you were saying, Rita, like. I could see her having the very simple use of you evade an you evade an enemy by at least two. 
You play, I take, you do a damage with Rita's ability. You use, I take that, put a baseball bat into play, and then you finish the enemy off. Because Rita's playstyle, in my experience, lends itself to action compression. So I can see her using this without doing the whole Rube Goldberg machine. Because she's already built to be able to make high evasion tests. Yeah. Oh, on humanoids, though. Oh, only on humanoids. And I don't think her, her, is her signature weakness in humanoid, but then I think, I don't think she can. Oh, uh, but you them. don't want to be evading those. But yeah. I guess if you have to evade them, at least this will help bail you out. Because, because the thing is, um, hoods have three health. So that scenario where I just, um, that I just described, where you evade some, you evade a humanoid, use this to play baseball bat for zero cost and zero actions, and then hit the thing. Kind of useful there. That is, but now we're starting to get into the minutia. In a general case, if you're already playing lockpicks, this can help you afford expensive assets. If your deck doesn't have expensive assets, then eh, it seems kind of niche. Like you're saving the action at that point. And then you've got to have I take that in hand, and then I've got to have the asset in hand, and then I've got to have the lockpicks already down. And that's, you start getting into the hurdles. But yeah. if you're doing like, if you want to like cheat out a twin, a, uh, if you want to cheat out a, a Chicago typewriter, this isn't too bad. Yeah, this the successful investigate as well. You're gonna need yeah. probably need some help on that, depending on. Well, who you're if playing. you just pass, you still get the play action. At least it's not it's not something where you have to succeed by X or nothing happens. Right. It's yeah. not like it says six. You have you have to you have to succeed by X where X is the cost of the asset. At least it doesn't say that. It's a discount, and that discount can be zero. Yeah. Okay. That's so you get true. some. You are benefit. you are still getting an item regardless of, yeah. of how much you succeed by. I just feel like if you were going for the discount as well, then you're going to yeah. need some probably need some help in that regard. That's true. That's true. Then you can play like perception and things like that. You know, because you're going because this type of deck we're talking about kind of you want to have a lot of card draw. So to get everything lined one? up. So I think this one actually has some general uses beyond the very specific deck we were talking about because a lot of decks like to play items and a lot of rogue decks like to investigate. So I'd say it's a zero. Yeah, yeah I, I was I was thinking zero. zero as well. I I think it's yeah. got enough general use cases that it's mm -hmm. it's a pretty useful card index i don't think the, yeah i don't think it's a plus one i mean it no, could I, so. I mean if you're if you're playing free chicago typewriters with it then yeah it's gonna be it's pretty cool it's gonna be but amazing now, getting, but i feel like you're getting gotta, a little more narrow there you've got to do enough stuff to actually make it uh make uh -huh. it work that uh this is the way to make your uh black fan illicit though and then you can fit it in your hidden pocket. And then you can run your twin 45s in the other hands. That's right. I need you to, you need to get started and build that deck and tell me how it works. I may have played this in a standalone once and it was pretty cool because I managed, I didn't do the black fan thing, but I did manage to get a seven resource discount on twin 45s. And that was fun enough to have a story. <laughs> <laughs> so a zero for uh, i'll take that but uh potentially better if you're able to uh 
to yeah, get a big discount on, on something. Yeah. And uh, even if you, say, blow the skill test for some reason and don't succeed by X, you will still get an item without mm -hmm. taking an action, which uh, which is which is good. So, nice. Yeah. So a, a pretty uh, pretty solid uh, card for rogues, and I'll take that. The final card we're going to take a look at is Kicking the Hornet's Nest. It's a free event with intellect and uh, combat skill icons, the gambit and tactic trait. Search the top nine cards of the encounter deck for a non-elite enemy and spawn it engaged with you instead of its normal spawn location. Then discover one clue at your location and gain X resources, where X is that enemy's health value. Shuffle the encounter deck. So we have... Uh, Man, oh man, how many different cards can they slam into one card here? We have uh, we've got a little bit of On the Hunt from the uh, the Guardians, where mm -hmm. you can uh, search the, the encounter deck for, a, for an enemy. I don't think this one is quite as liberal as On the Hunt. I think On the Hunt lets you just take any enemy. This one is non-elite, but uh, those yeah. are pretty plentiful in, in most scenarios. It's got a little bit of of drawn to the flame you get a clue for an encounter <laughs> card and then it's got a little bit of emergency cash where you oh, yeah. you get some money probably money. i'd say two resources seems about right depending on yeah. which enemy you pull of course you might be able to to increase that to three or four depending on uh, on the campaign that you're playing in but uh this card seems pretty good for the for the investigators who want an enemy uh, to either kill if you're tony or evade if you're kaimani oh yeah that's true so one key thing to note about this is that it takes an action to play this unlike on the hunt it doesn't replace your encounter card draw so you are going for extra credit here with your encounter with your uh, enemy draw so kind of like drawn to the flame so it's like, think Drawn to the Flame, you get an enemy, you get to pick which enemy it is, and then you get one clue and X resources. Actually, this is pretty good now that I think about it. <laughs> like, actually, this is pretty good. Yeah, because you get the clue, which is nice. So that's like one action's worth of effort without passing a test. Then you get some resources. So now you're looking at like two, three, four actions worth of effort. Okay, and you get an enemy, and you know, com I mean, compared to Drawn to the Flame, this is actually like not bad. Man, I, I really need to sit down and play Trish. Doesn't Trish benefit from having an enemy that she could? Yeah, um, where Trish has trouble is um, she's not a big fan of things being engaged with her because then you need a way to discover clues while an enemy is engaged with you, which she can do. I mean, you can use like. Um, working a hunch you can use narrow escape you can use um obfuscation but you got to put some effort into it it's not something you can like naturally do i do like the potential of being able to grab cultists and just beat them up i, I mean rats are pretty common yeah you grabbing just, like, a rat grab rats for and... a clue and two reasons what is it one resource a clue and a resource for a rat that you then stomp yeah it's not bad. I mean, because of the clue. The clue is, I think, what really does it. Now it's like half a drawn to the flame right there. And I was already willing to, like, take any encounter card, you know, in the deck for two clues. So, like, one clue and a couple of resources. That seems pretty decent. And then the trick becomes, like, 
can you leverage the fact that you're getting an enemy? Which, you know, you kind of can, like if you're playing, um, like Kamani in particular. But I think there's some other there's some other stuff like any evading rogue, because you could pick their pockets or things like that. So, yeah, it's got some good general use as a clue discovery tool. I like this one. I'm, yeah, uh... I do. Think of it like a cheap, a really cheap Intel report to the point where the Intel report is negative cost. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we're like, instead of it costing two and discovering a clue, it costs negative two or negative three and gets you a clue at an enemy. Yeah. yeah. And it's a Tesla's clue, too, which is. Exactly. Depending exactly. on is your nice. location, that could be a, a yeah. huge lifesaver if you were. Yeah. Stuck in a high shroud location that you were unable to deal with. It's like, mm -hmm. I would gladly take an enemy at that point. Oh, yeah, and that's right. And if you're playing solo, this is kind of... Actually, I think this gets like actually particularly good in solo if you're building for this. Because remember, we were having that discussion about disguise, where um, you know, like you get an enemy and you might have to stick around the location for a turn or two and disguise the fact that you exhaust the enemy is pretty nice. I'm seeing a scenario where you're on a four-shroud location, but you're solo, so it only has one clue. You grab the biggest enemy that you can find that also is a hunter. You get the clue. You spawn the hunter. Then you go disguise to evade it. And then you walk away. So first action, kicking the horns next. Second action, evade. Third action, walk away. You've gotten the clue, testlessly. You've evaded the biggest enemy in the encounter deck. The biggest enemy in the top nine of the encounter deck. You've walked away. And it's not going to ready. So you can kind of just run away from it. Like I can see that being a like not too hard to accomplish scenario, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. just thinking of a scenario where because it's non elite, is the Wizard of the Order elite or non elite? I think it's non elite. There are actually not, there are actually very few elite enemies in the encounter deck. So, um, like, that would be yeah. something I might consider using this for rather than letting the wizard spawn mm -hmm. wherever the wizard is going to spawn. I would rather oh, grab, if I know the wizard's in there, I'm going to grab the wizard and deal with it. Yep. At, Kind of like on, on my terms rather than its terms. Yeah, I think is is yeah. the uh, the key there. So yeah, ratings. Ooh, um, man, I'd have to go back and look at what I rated Drawn to the Flame. The thing that Drawn to the Flame does have going for it is that it is in the faction that also has um, encounter card cancellation. So and two clues is a lot better than one when it comes to advancing the game state. So I don't think this is as quite as good as Drawn to the Flame. I'll say that. Because two clues is a lot more than one. I'm, I think I'd say this is like a zero, though. It's not, it's not like incredible. Like, you're going to have a hard time finding space for this. But it's still pretty good. Like, I don't think this kicks out um, Emergency Cash from a deck. Because Emergency Cash, you want to play it when you are not set up to deal with enemies. Right? So I think using kicking the hornet's nest to like get the resources is like not the best idea. So it's like this is good when you're already set up to deal with the enemy and you want to get that clue. Yeah, so I think I'd give this a zero. I think uh, if I was to rate Drawn to the Flame as an elder sign, I would bump this down to a plus one. Yeah, that's that's fair. I like, feel like in yeah, there are many times rate. in solo where especially if I played the uh, scenario and I know what's coming. 
Uh, I'm thinking mm-hmm. Untamed Wilds being one of them where I know at the end of Untamed Wilds, I want Tesla's clues so I don't have to deal with encounter deck drives. Oh, that's true. Having the ability yeah. to, as a rogue now, not necessarily as a mystic, to know that, okay, I'm going to save this until the, I hit that one location where I absolutely need uh, to grab a clue. Or if I'm dealing with an enemy that, or I need an enemy in case of killing stuff, or you know, I want to grab that wizard and deal with it mm-hmm. before it it hoses me. Yeah, I I think this one's a plus one for me. Yeah, this isn't bad. Like the more I look at it, like I don't. What I don't think it does is I don't think it overshadows the effects that it kind of imitates. Like I think on the hunt does a better job than this at um dealing with specific enemies because on the hunt you it it replaces your encounter card draw and it's fast i don't think this replaces drawn to the flame because drawn to the flame two clues is twice as good as one and that's really what you're going for and it doesn't replace emergency cash because you have to have a really fat enemy in order to get more than three resources out of this so yeah, I think it like imitates a few cards without like overshadowing them. I kind of kind of like this. It's it's pretty it's pretty specific though. Maybe if you grab a non-elite aloof enemy. Oh, it spawns engaged with you. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> yeah, you could just grab a non-elite aloof. Yeah, there aren't too many of those, but when they show up, they're kind of a pain in the butt. I don't know. I'd be willing to grab a whippoorwills. Yeah, that's true. Just grab a whippoorwill and deal with it. Yeah, deal with it right away, nice. rather than have it spawn on me and then have to have it yeah. chase me around for for the rest that's of the true. scenario. I think what keeps it a zero for me in the end is the fact that it costs an action. So you've you've basically you've basically um, turned you've you've dropped yourselves down to two actions to deal with the enemy. So if it were fast, I think it would be plus one in my book. Chuck the fact makes that it it's fast. A, yeah, but we're raiding, kicking the hornet's nest. <laughs> we're not raiding Chuck Fergus. Plus, what you do with Chuck Fergus is you uh, use Chuck Fergus on the breaking and entering test that you, that, you know, that you're going to use to follow up. <laughs> That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. So th- this isn't bad. This isn't bad. I uh, yeah. That's going to do it for part two of our look at the rogue cards in the Scarlet Keys Investigator expansion. Let us know in the comments down below what you think. Have you uh, had some experience playing with these cards? We'd love to hear about it. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, man, The I, uh, I feel like we should have <laughs> reviewed uh, Underworld Market uh, first. Given it its own video? <laughs> yeah, we should have just done yeah. the Underworld Market deck video because yeah. uh, it feels like a lot of these cards that we're talking about are going in sort of that type of deck. Well, I guess wouldn't yeah, be surprising kind of because we did get basically a full deck from the Seeker card pool. So it wouldn't be too surprising if we got a full deck from the the Rogue card pool. Uh, yeah, well, I've, I think what we're finding with reviewing a lot of these cards is that they're they seem to have a very specific deck in mind. So yes. a lot of them could end up being blessed tokens, you know, depending on yeah. on what you're doing with them. Yeah, that's that, that's that's totally true. I was actually about to say that is the the fact that we have we have four pretty niche cards here. Like I'll I'll take that as probably the most generally useful of them, like in a general case, but 
even then, these are niche-focused ways to accomplish a specific thing instead of, say, emergency cash, where it just does the thing. That's going to do it for this episode. If you enjoyed what you hear, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. If you need to contact me, I can be reached at manfromlang at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at manfromlang. Until the stars are right, keep your shotgun close and your elder sign closer. Take care out there, and happy investigating.